From Astoria to the Rockaways, it's time for the Queen's New Yorker. And here is the man giving you all the info, your uber snazzy and jazzy host, Mr. Jason Gattaneo! Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Yes. Oh, what a group. Oh, my goodness. My Saturday people are here. Yeah. We made it. Oh, thank you so much. And welcome to another edition of the Queens New Yorker. It is Saturday, May 16th, 2020. This is episode 93 of the history of the independent subway system or the ISS. We are on part number nine, part number nine, folks. And we've still got more to go. That's right. A lot of people are saying, well, you're only focusing on one part of transportation. Yes, but it's the most important part of transportation. Folks, if we don't cover this for you, we might as well not even cover transportation at all because we have to. It is a vitally important part of the history of this series. And I said it back on episode 70 that there's going to be a lot of parts to this series, the parts to transportation, parts on the subway, the buses, taxis, Ferries for the for Staten Island, you name it, we're gonna cover it all. Be patient, and like I said, the episodes will just keep growing. So you're getting a lot of information and a lot of credible information because it's still all coming from the Wikipedia, and we thank you for that. Well, last night's live Q and A was interrupted by a hater, and unfortunately. We still got an hour and a half in with my two great guests, and I want to thank them very much for coming on and promoting their channels. They had a grand time. Everything was great. Uh, But this coming Friday, there will be no live Q&A this week. We're taking some time off because now we're in a situation where the person who filed falsely the report to have the chat disabled from yesterday's Q&A now is in heavy accusation and now I have to take legal matters into my own hands yet again and and put, of course, I you know, folks, I don't like to talk about this on our great episode, but I, I truly, one day I'm just going to come out on an episode, not an episode, but a, a live session and talk about, again, why this channel continues to get frowned upon by the one person out there. One person. It's only one. It's not It's not a group of people. It's not an activist group. It's one person with a cohort. And them t- the two of them are just att- continually attacking me. Baseless, bogus, inaccurate statements. And we're taking the guys to the bank. Full-heartedly. But anyways, like I said before. No Q&A session this week. We're going to fight this. 
We're going to take it, and we're going to go with it. And as, as far as I'm concerned, the comments, stats, and subs, you guys are looking fantastic. Overall, the views for the lifetime, 7,233 views, 863 subscribers. The live Q&A session yesterday is right now at 101 views. Nine likes and seven dislikes. It means that means the stalker is still going after it with fake channels and fake accounts. Those dislikes keep getting up and up and up because he keeps putting in those fake accounts and YouTube is not going to buy in with the algorithms. So with all that, give yourselves a round of applause because you deserve it. Yes. You know, every time I every time I do the comments, stats, and subs, I'm making a point here. I'm proving to everybody that stuff is not, you know, going against us, and that the views continually go up and up and up because the channel is is verified, it's credible, it's valid, and there is on point to it. So that's why we're doing it every episode from here on out to show you the progression of the channel. News of the Weird starts this new week off. Uh, the lead story, we're not going to do the lead story, but it is Signs of the Times because it has to do with the C thing, so we're not going to do that one. We're going to do the next one called Not Men from Outer Space. While people in Washington's Puget Sound were startled on the evening of May 6th by a brilliant streak of light across the sky, followed three minutes later by a loud explosion. Huge boom that shook the house. It was the loudest boom I ever heard. And one witness in Breyer reported, according to KOMO, that's Como, the American Meteor Society investigated the many reports it fielded and determined the noise came from an exploding meteor entering Earth's atmosphere. The meteor may have been part of an annual Eta Aquarid meteor shower, which occurs when the Earth moves through the remnants of Halley's Comet. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so they're not men from outer space, but just loud explosions. Okay. She whiz. All right. Well, today on part nine of this uh, history of the uh, subway, we continue on. With a couple of uh, great, uh, more um, categorized crimes that took place. And we're talking about fair evasion. Fair evasion um, is, let me give you the definition of it real quick so you know what we're looking at. Um, there, let me see if there's a definition real quick. Fair evasion. Let's see if we can give you a small definition. Of it. There's the definition. I'll give you the definition of it. It's uh, or fair dodging. It's a fair violation, rarely called ticket evasion, is the act of traveling on public transportation without paying by deliberately not purchasing a required ticket to travel, having had the chance to do so. And if you get caught for that, <laughs> you are not getting away with it. All right. But uh, that was a big thing, a big crime in those in the days. And so we're going to look at that right now. So fair evasion seemed a small problem compared to the graffiti and crime. 
And, of course, this is from the Wikipedia, the home of the free encyclopedia. Always. Pictures are also by the uh, Wikipedia as well. However, fare evasion was causing the NYCTA to lose revenue. Now, the strategy for restoring writers' confidence took a two-pronged approach. In 1981, MTA's first capital program started systems physical restoration to a state of good repair improving transportation authorities image and riders minds is as important as overcoming deferred maintenance prompt removal of graffiti and prevention of blatant fare evasion would become central pillars of the strategy to assure customers that the subway is fast clean and safe now similarly fare evasion was taken seriously the nycta began formal measuring evasion in november of 1988 when TA's Fair House or Fair, Fair Abuse Task Force, the FATF, was convened in January of 1989. Evasion was 3.9%. Now, after a 15-cent fare increase to $1.15 in August of 1990, a record 231,937 people per day, or 6.9%, didn't pay. The pandemonium continued through 1991. And to combat the mounting system, the FATF, designated 305 target stations with most evaders for intensive enforcement and monitoring. Teams of uniformed and undercover police officers randomly conducted mini-sweeps, swarming and arresting groups of evaders. Special mobile booking centers in converted city buses allowed fast-tracking offender processing. Fair abuse agents covered turnstiles and shifts and issued citations, Plainclothes surveyors collected data for five hours per week at target locations, predominantly during morning peak hours. And finally, in 1992, evasion began to show a steady and remarkable decline, dropping to about 2.7% in 1994. The dramatic decrease in evasion during this period coincided with a reinvigorated transit police, 25% expansion of city police, and a general drop in crime in U.S. cities. Now, in the city, crime rate declined begun in 1991 under Mayor David Dinkins and continued through the next two decades under Mayors Rudolph Giuliani and Michael Bloomberg. Some observers credited the broken windows approach of law enforcement, where minor crimes like evasion are routinely prosecuted and statistical crime-fighting tools, whereas others have indicated different reasons for crime reduction. And regardless of casualty, Evasion checks resulted in many arrests for outstanding warrants or weapons charges, likely contributing somewhat to public safety improvements. Arrests weren't the only way to combat evasions, and by the early 1990s, NYCTA was examining methods to improve fare control passenger throughputs, reduce fare collection costs, and maintain control over evasions and general crime. Now, the AFC system was being designed and evasion-preventing capability was a key consideration. TA's queuing studies concluded that purchasing tokens from clerks was not efficient. Preventing slug use required sophisticated measures like tokens with metal alloy centers and electronic token verification devices. To provide better access control, the NYCTA experimented with floor-to-ceiling gates and high-wheel turnstiles. Prototypes installed at 110th Street and Lexington Avenue Station during a target hardening trial reduced evasions compared to nearby control stations. However, 
controls consisting entirely of high wheels created draconian prison-like environments with detrimental effects on station aesthetics. Now, compromises with more secure, low-turnstile designs were difficult as AFC did not prevent fare evasion. Production automated fare collection, or the AFC, implementation began in 1994, and new turnstiles, including unstaffed high wheels and floor-to-ceiling service gates, featured lessons learned from trials. Now, as AFC equipment was rolled out, evasion plummeted, fare abuse agents together with independent monitoring, monitoring were eliminated. And that is a look on fare evasion. And now let's look at the rehabilitation and rising trend. Ridership increased 4% between 1978 and 1979, mainly because of the improving economy. Numerous improvements were touted in a 1979 daily news report, including air conditioning and closed-circuit television. As part of the Urban Mass Transit Act, $1.7 billion would be provided by the state and the Port Authority. Aesthetics Chairperson Phyllis Surf Wagner announced a program called Operation Facelift which entailed aesthetic improvements such as repainting and relighting the platforms, quicker replacement processes for windows and doors, and expanding the number of seats on the platforms. Now, during the mid-1980s, reconstruction began. Stations were refurbished and rolling stock was repaired and replaced. Neighborhood maps for wayfinding were added in subway stations starting in 1985, and maintenance on the subway began to improve. While 21 trains derailed while in passenger service during 1983, there were 15 such incidents in 1984 and three in 1985. Red tag areas, where trains reduced speed to 10 miles an hour due to dangerous maintenance conditions, were almost entirely eliminated by 1986. The, 30, the 325 R62 cars had an MDBF rate of 50,000 miles, and that's more than five times higher than the other fleet. With the newly overhauled World's Fair R36 equipment on the Flushing line, averaging over 30,000 miles in 1986 to 1987. The MDBF of many rolling stock increased from 6,000 miles to 1980 to 10,000 miles in September of 1986. And hundreds of cars were overhauled or cleaned of graffiti. Speedometers were also installed on existing and new rolling stock. And on finally, on January 1st of 1982, the MTA implemented the first of its five-year capital improvement programs to repair the existing system. Scheduled maintenance services were formed to proactively, to proactively replace components, and the MTA conducted general overhauls of the R26 and R46 fleets. Older equipment, that's any car classes with contract numbers below the R32s on the B division, and the R26s on the A Division were retrofitted with air conditioning. The red tag areas were incrementally repaired and replaced with welded rail, and at the end of the century, the MDBF rates for the entire system were at record highs and steadily increasing. The Franklin Avenue shuttle, however, was worse in 1989 than it was in 1980, and necessitated a complete renovation by 1998 because the MTA planned to abandon the line by the end of the century. And that is a look at the fare evasion and the rehabilitation and rising trend. Next up on the program, part 10, we will look at the revitalization in the recent history. That'll take us into the 90s. 
And then we'll go into the 2000s. So much going on in the next episode of the Queens New Yorker. It'll be episode 94. I'm hoping that you are having a great time with us during this great series on transportation. It's a long one, I know, but very informative and very educational. We aim to inspire you to look this information up. All of it is provided by the Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia, pictures by the Wikimedia. All right? I'm Jason Nicanio. And as always, remember, folks, you make this channel what it is. You are the reason for the success of this channel. And remember, be honest, be real, and keep it simple, stupid kiss. And don't be a flying nut monkey, because flying nut monkeys are the worst bunch ever, and they don't tell the truth just as much as their nut monkey competitors. Yes. Indeed. Have yourself a great weekend. We will see you on Tuesday for the Queens New Yorker right here on YouTube. Bye for now. You have been watching the Queens New Yorker. This is Jason Kelly on a Jason DeCanio internet presentation. Thank you for your support.
Thank you.